Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We're going to get to the agphd mailbag in just a minute here, but before we do, I... Darren, I was just going to tell you, I was just texting back and forth with an agronomist. He sent me a bunch of pictures. And it was corn that was pretty well buggy whipped, and basically it looked like it had a tough time getting out of the ground. And I said, how deep is the planting? Now, what he told me, <laughs> and, and what people tell me, I often go, you know, can, can you show me that for sure? But anyway, what he told me was inch and three quarters to two inches deep. But there was one plant where, I mean, it looked like it had 12 inches of growth on it, all below ground, wrapping up and wrapping up. And so he said, what do you think it is? And I go, look, it could be a lot of things. I know this is late planted stuff, though. So in other words, sometimes we have it where the ground is warmer way below ground than it is at the soil surface. So every once in a while, the plant starts heading up and it goes, wait, maybe I'm going the wrong direction because of the heat and it turns around. That wasn't the case. It could be compaction. And in that particular area, they had wet soils and guys were hustling to try to get stuff in because everything was late. So personally, I think that's the problem. But I said, there is a percentage every in every seed variety that is going to be what we call abnormal. So this is one of the things I didn't really understand until I learned how to score germination tests about 30 years ago. But anyway, it's not just alive or dead when you look at a germination score. They also have a category called abnormals. And what that means is within a certain amount of time, basically they're looking at seven days for this germination test, within that seven days, if they don't see what they consider to be normal growth, they call it abnormal and it subtracts from your germination score. So even though the plant technically germinated, it still doesn't count on the germination score because it's viewed as abnormal. And I said, is your percentage out there of these plants less than 5% of the whole stand? He said, yes. And I go, well, that very well could be some of the abnormals. Because I think, Darren, we saw more abnormals this year in a lot of the testing, right? Yeah, there sure, there sure were. And, you know, part of this was the growing season that we had in 2022 and right. how stressful that was. So seed production had challenges in many parts of the country. Now, sometimes it's, it's interesting because the seed production companies often have production in different areas of the country just in case, oh, there's a drought in Nebraska. No problem. We've got great production in Iowa or Illinois or somewhere else. The problem was last year there were stressful conditions really all through all of those areas yeah. where a lot of the production was done. Yep. We saw real poor germination scores compared to normal. I mean, real poor. And a lot of that wasn't that the plant just flat out died. A lot of it was, hey, there were a bunch of abnormals. So anyway, it could be that, could be compaction. I mean, people always want to blame herbicide injury. If there was herbicide even used there, and I didn't ask the question, is it possible that a little bit of that could be caused by herbicide? Sure. But I don't think that's that's really what's going on here. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. 
because it's kind of interesting and there are some people going through that. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, tissue sampling, nitrogen sampling questions. Uh, yep. Get this one from from uh, Bam in Indonesia. He said, what are the simple and cheap tools that you use to do tissue analysis on your farm? Um, a knife and hand labor. So we just go out there and pull certain leaves for, or in some cases part, we the don't whole use, plant. For the most part, we don't use any tools at all. I mean, yes, you get part. really small ones, small right. plants. You might, You're just you going to cut the thing yeah, off. Yeah, you might clip it with a scissors or Whatever. a knife or something like that. But for the most part, you just pull a leaf off yes. and, and send them in. We aren't doing the actual analysis right on our farm. We're sending it to a lab to have that analysis done. But it's actually not super complicated work, and there are a lot of labs that can can do plant tissue analysis to let you know how many nutrients are in there. And then the other thing I'd say is we just want to see all the nutrients. So the but, micronutrients and everything. But here's the thing, Darren, you said nitrogen. And now that may be related well, to the next, another, question. next question. But yeah. but where I'm going with this is some people will say, well, I'm going to use that to determine how much nitrogen I'm going to apply yet for the year. And I go, wait a second. Plant tissue analysis is not predictive. It only tells you what you have in the plant today. So your levels could look astronomically high. That does not mean they're going to be astronomically high next week or next month. That's why we need soil testing to find out, well, what's in the soil and what could come available in the future even, like with soil organic matter, so we have some kind of idea what we need to do for an overall fertility, fertility plan. Tissue testing doesn't tell us that. All right. It is a nice tool, though. Thanks, Bam. I really yes. appreciate it, and good luck to you. And if you have tissue sample results you want to send to us in the future to take a look at and get another opinion on, we're happy to do that. This one comes from Matt, and he said, Guys, I'm going to sample some corn and some wheat next week to see where my nitrogen levels are. How deep do you sample, and how do you figure pounds of nitrogen that you may need to apply yet for the rest of the season? Okay, real simple. I like going to 24 inches deep because we have heavy soil and we don't have much rainfall at all. And we got deep roots by now. Yeah, but I mean, where I'm going with this is you'd have deep roots if you had light soil and lots of rainfall, maybe. So I just mean I, this point of the year, we've got roots that are deep. They yep. can access nitrogen down as deep as 24 yes. inches. But, but what I'm trying to say here is if I had, let's say, a 3 CEC, and I know that in the next week I'm going to get 8 inches of rain, I'm not counting on anything in that 12 to 24-inch range, and I might not even count on lots from the 0 to 12-inch range. But, yeah, we do test separately, so we go 0 to 12, and we go 12 to 24, so each year we can make that determination. But anyway, in terms of what's left, you just look at, okay, what's my yield goal? And be realistic. Don't say 350 when you know that you're only going to get 230. So be realistic with that. And then just look at the charts. And they'll tell you, hey, at this stage, you've only used this much nitrogen or the plant's taken up this much. So like for right now on our farm, V5, V6, we've only used about 10% of the total in, 90% to go. We'll be right back talking about plant growth regulators after this. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. This is Mike. Hey. 
He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're talking plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones on today's show. But if you've got a question for us, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Aaron did. He's down in Iowa. We'll get to him in just a second. But Well, we're getting a lot of in-season questions here with challenges going on, bad weather and stuff. Here's another one. Mike over in Minnesota sent this in, and, and this one, we've had so many questions along this line. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions here regarding height limits with products like atrazine, harness, callista. The crop is growing so fast with the heat and humidity. The guys are just behind. There's no way to keep up. The crop's doubling in size well, so fast. Well, yes, but this is the thing. We talked about this before Memorial Day, so almost two weeks ago, and we said, uh, look at the forecast. Growth is twice normal. And I said, you're going to go from V2 to V5 in way less time than ever before. But a lot of people are going to say, I'm, I've been so busy and I'm so tired and everything else. I'm going to take Memorial Weekend off. And then all of a sudden, they're going to show up uh, the following week, a few days later, and go, uh-oh, now I'm in trouble. So I'm, well, I'm not buying this. Oh, it, it snuck up on us. Um, we we, we got to make sure that we're paying attention to the weather as farmers. Okay, it's one of the things I literally study every single day because it's so important to us. Here's the other thing with that. There's a lot of unevenness out in some of these fields. There and is. There this is. is probably even a better part of this is, all right, got some corn that's 6 to 10 inches tall and others that might be as much as 20 inches tall. And where, what do we do out in a field? You have to look at the high, the tallest plant. Okay, so on the label, for example, atrazine, 12 inches, you're done. Harness, 11 inches, you're done. Um, a lot of the group 15s, 11 inches, you're done. So we are never going to tell you to exceed that label. Now, are there some things that you could do later on that aren't going to hurt the corn? Sure, like atrazine. You could spray atrazine on corn that's five feet tall. It's not going to hurt it one bit. Atrazine is perfectly safe to corn, but you can't legally do it, and we're not going to recommend it. So we got to be smart about these things. What can you spray real late? 
Uh, and HPPD, yes. But be careful about what you're using along with that because some people want to use crop oil and stuff like that. Well, we already know arrested ear syndrome happens when the corn gets a little bigger from crop oil, from well, regular non-ionic. So pick an APE, NPE free adjuvant when you are spraying those products. And that's the last part of this question. Uh, in the past, had sprayed Accent Q, and that is really hard on corn if you're too big. Do you know anything else Drops. that's hard on corn if a guy was out there and it was too late almost everything is hard on corn if it's too late like i say atrazine's easy on it actually buckthorn even though it will burn the leaves is easy on it's not gonna hurt your yield or anything else but here's the other side of this we've got to kill the weeds and if you have a 20 inch tall corn plant you're at canopy which means you probably unfortunately need drop nozzles and i know it stinks we've only had to do it once or twice ever on our farm where it just rained and 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 then we finally could go out and spray a few fields and we go oh no we have to get drop nozzles this stinks but I don't know what else to tell you to do. I wish there was just some magic answer I had for you. But fortunately, like I say, the HPPDs, they are labeled on some bigger corn. Just be careful what you're doing for adjuvants. Well, and it's one of those things too, Brian, where I, I know there are some farmers out there that really like the planned one-pass approach, and they wait till early post to do it, and then you get a year like this that yeah, it's but, so windy you can't get going, yeah, and true. the crop grows really fast, and you're just in trouble. And this is why I like that two-pass approach, because yeah. if something comes up post at least you got your pre down and at least you wiped out the first flush and hopefully the weeds aren't so big when you're coming back in. But this is a year where you put the pre down and you go, oh, I got some breathing room because normally you do. But because it was so unbelievably hot, I mean, I don't think for a lot of people they realize what we've been dealing with for the last three, three and a half weeks. It's double normal growing conditions. The weeds are growing twice as fast. The insects twice as fast. Everything is twice as fast when you have double the normal heat units in our region. It's just, it's a crazy year, and we got to get ahead of this thing. Otherwise, we're in big trouble. All right, Brian, if you want to check your email, we got some pictures here sent in from Aaron down in Iowa who happened to get some hail. And I know this time of year, we're always looking for that rain. We're excited when rain comes, but sometimes it comes in the solid form. Aaron, I'm sorry you guys got hail. That, that really stinks. Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Yes, we've had that too, and it's it's no fun going out to those fields and looking. And the worst thing is the first day or so afterwards because it just looks like you, you don't have a prayer in the world. Now, now uh, Aaron, I will be honest with you. You had some hail, but um, I have seen plants mowed off down to nothing. Fortunately, you didn't have that. Is this is this the worst? Is this kind of the same as what, uh, what the rest of your fields are like? Or, or describe to us just a this little bit more. This field, fortunately, this farm's kind of off by itself. It's on the edge of where I farm. So okay. I just have this 44 acres that looks like this, which I know it's not awful, but I just wondered what my next step is. I know I should get some fungicide out there, but the timing of that and what else yep. should I put on out there? Yep. Okay. So so here's what we're dealing with, and I'm just going to guess. It looks like you're at probably V8, V9, something like that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. Maybe just shy of that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So anyway, it's it, it's fairly good sized. So I assume your herbicide stuff's all taken care of, and that's all done because the field looks fairly clean. Yes, it was just about canopy been sprayed yep. about ten days ago. So, yeah. Yep. 
Okay, so when you look at the hail charts that Iowa State puts out, or I mean, many different universities, by the way, they have a hail machine that they will shoot at the crops, and then the insurance companies work with them, so then they can figure out at all different stages how much yield loss are we talking. At that stage, without even looking at the chart, I, I'm just going to guess here because I know I'm in the right ballpark, you might have 1% to 3% yield loss. So it's virtually nothing. So to your point of what do I do now, a lot of people talk about fungicide, and we've had similar things to this, in fact, even worse. And here's what we've done, and here's what we've recommended. We have gone out with fungicide, but um, it, it, the plant will look better, and it will harvest better. It will not necessarily yield better. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. So I can't promise you yield gain by spraying now, but I can promise you okay. a cleaner plant. The plant will look nicer. You will see. If you if you leave a side-by-side or something, you will see right to the row, almost for sure, hey, this was sprayed with fungicide. And so you'll be thinking going into harvest, well, man, this is going to yield 20 bushels more. It might, but it also might yield the same. But I will tell you, it's a little easier to harvest either way. So would I spray a fungicide on it? I probably would. Uh, beyond that, what else would you do? There, there is a ton of leaf surface area there, Brian, there to is. land there product is. on. So I think think that's yep. a, yeah, I, I'm yes. game for that. I, but, how much rain did you say you got out of this, Aaron? Uh, I got an inch on that farm, but it was so spotty. Everything I farmed got from nothing to an inch. That sounds just like the rains we've been having around here. So anyway, yep. the, the other thing you could do beyond that is actually our topic today, plant growth regulators, plant growth hormones. So again, you're past the herbicide window, which is great. So now all you have to focus on is the fungicide, bugs if they show up, and then if you want plant growth hormones. So uh, we use a product called MegaGrow. We're going to talk about it just a little bit after the break here. Uh, cytokinin and IBA, there are a lot of other products out there that have those two active ingredients, those two plant growth hormones as well. So I would consider something like that and fungicide. There are a lot of people too that with fungicide, they will use some fulvic acid. They believe they get a little better results. We think so as well. So, I mean, you got a few things that you could do there. Beyond that, um, I don't know that there's a whole lot else that I would tell you. So I I just hope, hope now for good weather. I've got Mega Grow on hand. What about New Tech CDA? Is this yep. somewhere you'd use that, or is that okay? Yep. Yes, yep. absolutely. That's what I do. All right. Yep, yep. That's what I do, and a little fungicide, and and like I say, I, I wish I could tell you, oh, you're definitely going to have this big yield gain from the fungicide. You may, you may not. We'll see. But I know the plants yep. will look better, so I would do it. All right. Okay. Thank you very Good much, luck, Aaron. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yep. You bet. Yeah, it's it's a good thing if something happens negatively to your crop to get opinions from others talk to people who aren't affiliated with your crop and that's that's kind of a good thing because well, yeah, looking but, at it to say man is that going to be okay i i think it looks terrible and it feels so bad to me because it's my crop but but i look at the pictures brian and i'm like i've seen a lot worse than that i think oh, we're yeah. going to be okay it's going to live uh, just going to take now, a little bit to, you, to recover. Yeah, but you said somebody not affiliated affiliated with your crop. I will tell you, uh, our dad passed away four years ago now, and I did like talking to him, especially about things like this, because they could say, all right, what's happened over the years? When you have 70 years of experience, it's better than 30, and it's definitely better than three. So anyway, we've lived through this a few times. Don't worry, Aaron. I think everything's going to be fine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. 
From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And our topic is plant growth regulators and plant hormones. We get a lot of questions about this really all throughout the year. And it's interesting, too, that sometimes we're talking about corn and we get questions about plant growth regulators and plant hormones. Sometimes we're talking about sunflowers or canola or lots of different crops. Seems like about every crop out there, growers are looking for, well, what's that edge? What can I do? What can I, how can I help my plant get higher yield or get through a tough time during the growing season? So we've got our friend Chad Whistle on. He's with CH Bio. Uh, Chad, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thank you. 
Okay, Chad, you get these questions too. Growers are always looking for what else can I do to help my crop? And, you know, there's a lot of plant hormones that are produced naturally, just maybe not at the right time and in the right quantities and uh, lots of this stuff to understand. So where, where do you start this conversation? Well, let's start with where the majority of the corn belt is right now in that early vegetative stage. Um, there's, a, there's a group of hormones that are, are very important for pushing that early root development and increase in the nutrient water uptake, and we formulate those actives in a product called MegaGrow. So right now is the time to be putting on MegaGrow to increase that plant's ability to uptake nutrient water from the soil and essentially build the foundation. You know, we see a lot of growers using this around herbicide applications as well, Chad. This that the herbicide applications, even though, uh, like you, you're talking about corn here, let's let's just stay with corn. When you spray a herbicide on corn, it seems to slow down the growth for probably a week or even more sometimes, depending on what you put out there. And with Mega Grow, what we hear from growers is uh, they don't see that. They see that that corn plant keep growing. Why is that? Is, is that accurate? Is that the same thing you see? Yep. You know, anytime you spray a herbicide on a, on a crop, the, the, the crop can tolerate that, but it's not totally um, resistant to it. So it can, it takes time for that uh, crop to metabolize the herbicide that you're spraying on there. Sometimes it's seven days, sometimes it's 10 days, depending on how rapidly that plant is growing at the time, what the growing conditions are, how fast it can take in the herbicide and chew it up and spit it out, essentially. And going back to MegaGrow, MegaGrow is actually patented as a glyphosate safener. So when you put it on at the same time as glyphosate, it will speed up the recovery of for that plant um, to basically get through that uh, that slowdown of nutrient transfer that happens when you apply glyphosate. And even though it's a glyphosate safener, we can put it with virtually any uh, herbicide on the market. Uh, we just patented it as a glyphosate safener because that's, you know, what uh, the majority of the acres are. And turning to soybeans here, Chad, you mentioned early vegetative stage in corn. We want to push that root development. The same is true in soybeans. We really want to establish a good root system early. What do you do in soybeans? Do you do things a little bit differently? Uh, is there a time that's too early to spray or too late to spray? I think if you have uh, above-ground growth, uh, you can't be too early. Um, you know, as long as you've got an actively growing plant, you got one trifoliate exposed, it's just a day before the, the next trifoliate's coming out. So really, that is not too early. But you could go all the way up to, you know, V6 in soybeans with MegaGrow. And uh, because that's the stage that plant's in, it's pushing root development. Um, primary um, function is to build the foundation up to that V6 stage on corn or soybeans. You know, as, as we get past this, we aren't too far away from where these crops are going to turn to the, the reproductive phases. And I know there are certain parts of the country that are already there. Once you get to reproduction or, or get around that tasseling time in corn, what can you do? We've got a lot of heat. There's a lot of stress on the plant. And sometimes we have some issues even just pollinating that ear. Yep. Um, so on any crop, whether it be corn or soybeans, once you pass that V6 stage, um, you know, the hormone needs or the hormone production that plants change from uh, dominant auxin uh, to dominant cytokinin uh, production. So I would switch at that time from our product, MegaGrow, to a product called Inertia. 
which is designed to push the reproductive development, increase pollen production, increase the leaf's ability to capture photosynthesis, chlorophyll production, which basically results in uh, sugar production traveling from the leaf to the grain for grain feel and quality. You know, as you look throughout the season on these plants, there there's different amounts of stress, and oftentimes we talk about, well, we want to uh, reduce stress as much as possible, improve growth as much as possible. When we're putting one particular growth regulator, one particular growth hormone out there, we're necessarily creating an imbalance into the in the plant. How, how does the plant respond to that when you overload with one plant growth hormone versus the others? Well, I think you have to look at it as um, if the crop is under stress. It doesn't matter if it's insect stress, herbicide stress, environmental stress. The plant naturally has to slow down or to, um, you know, its natural production of these hormones or its natural ability to uptake water and nutrient from the soil or its natural ability to, you know, produce that chlorophyll. Um, so if you can uh, give that plant a little boost in those areas, it just basically helps it through those more stressful times. So the question is, um, can you overload it or push it too hard during those times? I don't think so. Um, not with plant growth hormones. I think you can uh, uh, definitely enhance that plant's ability to, to function through those stressful times. You know, when you look at soybeans right around that flowering time, we get so many questions, Chad, about, okay, I want to hold more flowers. I want to have more pods on each node. I know we see pictures of single plants a lot of times that, that look mm-hmm. just like the way we want every plant to look. What are some of those keys to doing that so we don't have so much flower abortion and so we can have more viable pods? Well, let's look at the two products we've discussed so far. Megagirl increases the plant's ability to uptake nutrient water from the soil. So basically, it enables that plant to become a more productive factory so that later on down the road when the plant starts putting those flowers on and those pods, you know, the stronger factory has the ability to hold on to more flowers and pods. Um, that's That's why the two products are kind of a one-two punch. You build the foundation with one, and once the foundation is built, then you come in and push that reproductive development. You push the the plant's ability to um, push more flowers, set more pods, and if you built the foundation, it'll ultimately hold on to more of them and throw less on the ground when that stress sets in. You know, we can take a soybean plant and put two or 300 pods on that plant, but if once it enters a stressful situation, it's going to throw 60, 70% of those off on the ground because it has to survive. So it all boils down to how good at a factory have you built early on. Last question for you. You talk about a couple of different PGR type products. What, what do you need for time in between them? If you're using a plant growth regulator, how long does it really work in the plant? Is it a couple weeks? Is it a month? And how soon can you come back with another application? You know, if we're talking about MegaGrow, um, you will see an increase. You know, our, our physiological studies show that there's an increase of nutrient water uptake for like the first 14 days after application. But 
after the 14 days, does that mean that, you know, you no longer have any positive effects? Absolutely not, because you've built that foundation. You'll see that effect all the way through the crop's life cycle. Um, with the inertia product, um, you know, if, if you have, if you're making that fungicide application at R1, um, it will send that thing into hyper overdrive, uh, pushing reproductive development that you'll see throughout the plant's life. If you're coming in at brown silk, you're probably not going to get as much um, benefit because you've missed all that window of building that plant's ability to, to have a strong reproductive development uh, system. Yeah, it's, so, a fun, it's a fun you know, thing in the growing season that uh, if you're out there in front, when you still have yield potential to improve or to save, you can do some things like utilizing plant growth regulators and plant hormones at the right time. Uh, Chad, we got to let you run, but really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep. Thank you. We'll be right back with our discussion coming up after this. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day. It's Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're talking plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones today on the show. Now, look, it's a lot easier to just talk weed control because you go spray weed, it dies. You go, oh, yay, success. Or in some cases, even disease control. You spray a fungicide, and if you leave some untreated, you can see the disease infest the one side and not infest the other side. When we start talking about plant growth regulators, plant growth hormones, stuff like that, you're probably not going to see a lot of visual difference. I mean, sure, maybe if you have a plant growth hormone in with Roundup and you see less yellow flash, that's one thing. But you're not going to be driving down the road 60 miles an hour or in South Dakota on the interstate, we can drive 80. You're not going to be driving 80 80 miles an hour down the road and go, wow, I see a big difference there, and that must be plant no, growth the pro- hormones. The problem is, Brian, <laughs> farmers drive much slower, and we're looking at every field. I've heard this from my kids, too. Even They're like, so. hey, can't we just get where we're going? I'm like, well, look look over in this field. Look what's going on over there. Yep, but even so, our point here is this. There are some things on the farm today that you can do that you're probably not going to visually see. But if you just take it to yield, that's what we're going to ask you to do. Because like for plant growth hormones, you know how many dollars we spend on our farm? Four at a minimum, and that's one application. Or if we do, let's say we even did three applications. We might have 12 to $15 invested. Well, last year, beans, soybeans were worth $15 a bushel. So literally, I could double my money with a two bushel gain. Are you ever going to notice a two bushel gain? No. So you just no. have to look close on some of these things that are only costing you $3, $5, $6, whatever. The other thing, Brian, is just to do some better scouting. And and it's easy to just kind of walk by or drive by a field and say, oh, there's a weed out there or there's it's a clean field. Or, oh, my corn's knee high now or it's shoulder high. Yes, those things you can see from the road. But getting out in there, seeing, okay, how how wide are my leaves? How thick is my stalk? How many pods are there per node? How many rows around on the ears are there? Those are all things you can see if you just do a little bit of digging in out in the field. It and you take, some those, work. And you take yep. those notes and you see, okay, you know what? Hey, I tried a $5 product on a couple hundred acres. That's a $1,000 trial. I can afford to spend just a little bit of time digging out here to see if it actually is doing something for me. And then when you run that combine through, you aren't going to be surprised. Yeah, I got... Three more pods per plant. I'm not surprised that I'm getting a nice yield gain there. All right. One other thing that I guess I wanted to mention, because we said plant growth regulators and plant growth hormones. I look at those as two totally separate things. So if you look at dicamba and 2,4-D, those are really plant growth regulators. Their, their objective is to grow the plant to death or grow the weed to death. You can look at something like palisade that is a growth restrictor. So you spray that on wheat, for example, or oats or some whatever crop to shorten it, keep it a little shorter so you have less lodging issue. So 
I just view those a little different as the plant growth hormones that are natural things, or at least they happen naturally out there. All you're doing is adding more, like we talked gibberellic acid to make the plant a little bit taller and add more tonnage. It's a proven thing. It's a natural growth hormone. We're basically just trying to trick the plant into thinking things are better than they actually are at the time, and we get results. So you're going to have more of this stuff coming around because it's natural. And I think most people in the United States are going to oppose new chemicals. But when you say, well, it's a natural thing, the plant already has it going on internally. So all we're doing is using it here and we took it from over there. It's same, it's normal, natural stuff. People can accept that a lot easier. So you're going to see more testing, more research, more development, and more products coming in the market in the future. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Get Harold with us right now over in Indiana. Harold, how are you doing? I'm pretty dry. I'm okay, though. You know, I hear I that. Mean, I hear that Indiana's dry, too, and I, I know a lot of guys that I've talked to yeah. there have said, yeah, we're, we're getting the same weather as you guys, <laughs> just not enough rain. Yeah. yeah, whether it's central Indiana or all the way up, up north, like where I'm at, over in uh, Lake and Porter County, it's just dry. Some guys have had a, a quick shower. You know, you may see one here and there, but we haven't had any. Oh, that's that, that, that's, that's one no reason fun. why I was calling, though. Okay, what you got going on? I was calling because I went ahead and uh, I checked my uh, soybeans, which I drilled in no-till, and uh, I don't have near the population what I wanted. I was hoping for about 160 or a little bit more than that. I'm guessing that I don't even have a maybe if I'm lucky a hundred. But I, uh, I talked to my seed dealership and or seed man, and he said that uh, if I needed the replant, the replant would be free. So what I was thinking about doing was taking my 30-inch corn uh, planter and just running the soybeans, uh, you know, don't disturb them or you know, tear it up, just go ahead and run the 30-inch bean through it. Okay. I was wondering, if I do that, what kind of population should I set that corn planter into? Let me, let me okay. ask you another question here, too. When, when you say you've maybe got 100 left, and that might be optimistic, yeah. who knows, is it fairly even, or are you seeing spots where uh, there's some big three-foot gaps out there with nothing? No, it's, it's fairly even. Okay, and then the other thing, when you dig up the seeds that aren't coming, are they still viable, or did they try to come yeah. and they just didn't make it? They didn't try to come yet. They're, they're oh. as hard as uh, they were when they were in. I'm, I'm hoping maybe if I got get, quote-unquote, the weekend rain that everybody talks about everywhere, if that happens, I won't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That would be my that'd be my number one choice, Harold. If it was me, I think I'd uh, say, you know what? Uh, I got everything else done. Yep. I'm just going to go fishing for the weekend, come back, and hopefully we caught that <laughs> rain. Right, because honestly, if let's, yeah. let's just say you had hail, and we went out and evaluated your stand, and we found, oh, you got 100,000 left, I'd say, you know what? That's good enough. Replanting at this point isn't going to help you. Could you intercede? Yes, but the problem is you drilled it the first time. So if you were in 30-inch rows and you could completely ignore the other stuff so you don't hit anything and damage anything, fine. But there's no way to do that with a drill. I don't know fine, Brian, because what if you put another, say put another 50,000 out there, and now the original 160 all comes. Yeah, so so I mean plants (laughs) self-thin. We actually did... Okay, boys. <laughs> but but no, seriously. I mean, soybean plants can self thin. You could literally plant your soybeans at three hundred and fifty thousand plants per acre. This is no joke, and you would have mm-hmm. maybe just a hair more yield. Obviously, you'd have way too much expense. So this isn't 
economically viable, but it's not going to hurt anything. So I'm not that worried about that side. But I would say this. If you've got kind of a thin stand, you have to maybe pay a little bit more attention to weed control in general. But since you're in the drill and you've spaced the plants out, I'm not even super worried about that. So yeah, I'm totally with Darren and in agreement there. I just wait. I would let that sit. I think you're going to be just fine. I really do. And it's tempting too, Harold. I'll just tell you, when somebody says free seed, you go, well, I might as well throw it out there. (laughs) Oh, I get it. yeah. My wheels tear everything up that I don't. That's growing now. And then you say, yep. "Oh, yep. I lost another. Okay, I lose twenty five percent of that too." Now, here's what I would do because you're always probably going to be questioning this. I would do mm-hmm. a little strip. I'd take the guy's free seed for five acres or whatever, and I'd say, "You know, okay. this is going to be my experiment. We're going to do five acres where we're going to intercede, and I'd throw another fifty thousand plants out there, and then we'll see what ends up happening." And uh, but I'll bet you that where you don't intercede, it's going to yield just as much as where you do. Okay, Harold, how long have you farmed? Uh, nineteen for myself since nineteen seventy-two. Okay, nineteen seventy-two. <laughs> I was born in seventy-one, so I'm only. Congratulations! <laughs> you've been you've been farming fifty years here, and how many times oh, has wow. this happened? How many times have you seen it like this? This is my first time having this kind of a drought. Yeah, yep. see, and that yeah. Brian was kind of Brian was getting into that before. He, he's like, man, it was so nice, and our dad had passed away a few years ago. But he goes, it's always nice to ask dad because he had so many more years of farming. Something than we maybe had. happened fifty years ago, and then he could tell me. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's, it's my anniversary fifty years. To go, made this. <laughs> oh wow! Well, congratulations. <laughs> yep. So, but that's the thing with farming, Harold. You know, I mean, some of these events only happen once in fifty years. So, it is a good idea to just kind of talk through these things, and we understand your frustration. We've had this happen before too. But yeah, if it was mm-hmm. me, I'd just try a few acres just to prove it to yourself. But I'd be willing to bet yeah. you a lot of money that where you don't intercede, you're going to be just fine. Well, it's just like I said, if you throw a bunch of soybeans on one side and they're separate by themselves, I could have 60, 80 pods on the one individual couple yep, plants yeah, that's right. they're so far away from each other. Yep. Yep, yep, but no, you, but but yeah, soybeans have the ability to make up for real thin stands. Hey, Harold, great talking to you. Good luck out there. Hopefully you get a little rain soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, 
numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Been talking about plant growth regulators and plant hormones. Get a question that came in from Nolan we wanted to get to. He said, could you guys expand on the type of acid that you've mentioned to add growth and tonnage to silage corn, the rate, timing, application method, and so on? I'd like to try some on a few acres. I'm in north central North Dakota. Okay, so first of all, this what we're talking about is gibberellic acid. It's a natural plant growth hormone, and that was our topic today on the show was plant growth hormones. But anyway, that name brand product that we've used has been Rise Up Smart Grass from Valent, so I'll talk about the rates with that. But there are other gibberellic acid products that may have different rates because they're at different concentrations, okay? So for us in corn, I think this year we used a half an ounce, and we try to do that in the V2 to V4 kind of timing. You want to use the product when it's, let's call it, 45 to 65 degrees. If it's been 85 for two weeks already, or even a week already, you're too late. You're just wasting your money. Because gibberellic acid will be naturally produced in the plant. As the plant warms up, then it's going to produce more gibberellic acid. So the point is, by spraying it when it's when the plant says, oh, it's cold, I'm not going to produce a lot of jib, we're tricking the plant into thinking things are better and it will accelerate growth. So you can do that in the spring and the fall on pasture grass. You can do it in the spring on silage corn. There was one year we did it on the corn we had right at our Ag PhD field day site and it made all that corn a foot taller. And so people are like, wow, your corn's amazing. And I go, well, yeah. But what you don't know is we just tricked the plant. We just put gibberellic acid on there. We don't typically gain yield but we absolutely gain tonnage. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. This one comes in from Christian. And first of all, Christian sent some pictures. I got dirty hands out in the field, scouting, pulling leaves off soybean plants. Christian says, all right, guys, 
As curious your thoughts, mixing fungicide with our herbicide application post-emerge on soybeans. We're planning to mix and match here. Roundup, Liberty, and List, depending on the weed pressure and so forth. I'm in central Illinois, and while I'm out scouting, I noticed I've got frog-eye leaf spots starting to develop on the unifoliate leaves of my soybeans. It isn't much yet, but I want to get ahead of it. This field's been soybeans for 20 years straight, hmm. and I realize that crop rotation's a good option for next year, but that's not my decision to make, unfortunately, on this ground. I'm just curious, what can I do now? Is it too early to spray a fungicide? Can I put something out there to stop uh, you can spray a fungicide. Is it going to help yield at this early stage when you're at? Well, you just you just don't know. Who knows what, what this mean? frog guy is going to do? What ah. if this frog guy completely blows up? It could, but and it's you're so in a early. stressful year where you've got some drought going on. You can well. Here's the other, Brian. You can spray a fungicide. You can spray a low rate when you're out this early and the beans yes, are small. You can. You, you can. can. You can use a half rate. Yes. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think it's a, a little on the early side because anything right now on that plant, it's small. It's not going to hurt much, but. It's possible I could be wrong. Maybe, to Darren's point, the frog eye gets really bad way earlier than we've ever seen before. It's possible. Okay, here's the other thing, though. Christian, do you own your own sprayer, and how many acres do you have? Let's just say, for example, you have 500 acres. But, you can spray them all in one day, and you say, yep, I own my sprayer. I can get over all acres in one day. Then you could let it, let it go. Do your weed control and... Check it a week from now, see if it's getting worse or if it's not doing anything, maybe you wait a little longer. Right. But if you don't own your own sprayer and you say, man, I have 10,000 acres, I have to hire somebody to do it, it takes them forever to get out here, then that might change your decision. Sure. Here's the other thing. Keep in mind that the fungicide you use is not going to move leaf to leaf. So in other words, you're going to protect all the leaves that you cover, but Next week, you're going to have new leaves. And the week after that, you're going to have new leaves. So even though people will say, well, your fungicide should last two to three weeks, that's true. They're probably right on the leaves you sprayed. But the new leaves coming out are going to be unprotected. So that's part of my thinking on this. It's like, well, I, I mean, how many times do you want to spray fungicide? Because, Darren, like on our farm, I'm already planning to spray fungicide at R1, R3, and R5. So we're already going to spray fungicide on our farm three times. Now, if I go out now and I spray, okay, that's adding one more. So now I'm up to at least four times I'm going to be spraying fungicide. Is it justified? I mean, I yeah. get it that it looks like we we think too, you very well may have frog eye leaf spot there, but I, I'm just really questioning if now is the right timing for it. But like we always say here on the show, you're never going to know unless you try. And you want to try on, on a small scale and just see if you see results. So my guess is it's not going to pay. So if it was me, I would treat some of my acres and leave the majority untreated. When Sometimes I feel the other way and I go, there's a 98% chance this is going to pay. We still want to leave a check strip to find out, was I right or was I wrong? Yeah, and this early stage, you could hail off all those leaves and not lose any yield at all. So if you say, well, if there's only a few spots, uh, it's not as bad as if I hailed off all the leaves. So I guess I'm going to take my chances. I can certainly understand that, too. Got a question that came in from Brian, and Brian's raising apples and looking for herbicide recommendations in his apple trees. And he said, we farm up in central uh, western Michigan. 
and we've got corn and soybeans, but we do have about 400 acres of apples. And I've been doing a lot of the things that you guys recommend on the row crop side, and it's been working well. We're very happy with the results. But my question is, what can we do in our fruit trees? Our local retailers that we use don't recommend using Roundup because trees can absorb the herbicide and it can affect next year's return bloom. It may cause the bloom to be light and not a good crop would get set. This being said, a lot of neighbors have been using Gramoxone repeatedly, but I don't know if that's a good long-term plan. So I was looking for residual herbicides and burndown options to go underneath the trees. We fight a lot of thistles. And we are allowed to use stinger, so we're trying to do that as often as possible to hit the thistles. But we've also got mare's tail, ragweed, and lamb's quarter, and giant foxtail. So trying to get out and spray some burn down early in the spring, but it's tough here because, of course, we're in uh, west central Michigan. It can be cold and it can be wet, uh, so we don't want to cut the orchard uh, driving down the rows and that kind of thing and making ruts. We we, we don't spray herbicides because we worry about blossom damage, but then we can get out there in May and early June uh, and the weeds have got a head start on us. So just looking for some things we could do. Brian, one of the things I thought about is a couple of active ingredients. I, I think with Prowl, they have some limitations on, you can put Prowl out when you're establishing an orchard, but I don't know that you can do that if you're going to be harvesting apples that year. Uh, Chateau or Flumioxazin, same active ingredient as Valor. That's one that I hear guys using in orchards. And then Surflan is another one that I hear guys using out there. I mean, there there are residual herbicides that can be used if you can get the application made. Well, the other thing is when you talk about Roundup, if you keep it off the trees, you're just fine. Roundup's done when it hits the soil. So uh, Roundup is not going to impact anything for next year, no way, no how, unless, like I say, you are spraying it over the top of the trees. That's a whole different deal. Yeah, that's the challenge. So, you know, with Gramoxone and using that repeatedly, I think the biggest concern there, of course, would be resistance issues if you kept using the same chemistry over and over again. There are other things that a guy could add to the Gramoxone. I'm not sure if Freelex is labeled in those orchards. I'm sure they're super, super nervous about 2,4-D products, but this one has been exceptional in terms of lack of volatility, but I can see that that would make a guy nervous. What about fall applications, Brian? Here's something that I don't know if that's being done in apples or not, and I guess for any of our listeners that are raising apples and utilizing herbicides out there on the ground, are there fall applications being made? Because like one of the weeds here, mare's tail, which I know is a big problem for a lot of guys that aren't doing tillage up in Michigan, you could wipe that out. If you had Chateau and you could put something else with it to add a little more burn down, you could do a pretty nice job on that in the fall. All right. Yeah. Brand, Brand's got no apple trees. So and, and, uh, Actually, I do have one, but not too worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're mowing underneath there to control the weeds. Well, yeah. It's and I'll spray, I'll spray Freelix around it because there's lawn around it. Yep. Yeah, we aren't big apple farmers here, Brian, so I don't know if I've got a great great advice for you, but there are residual products out there. I would look at what you can do for a timing standpoint, too. If you could do some of these things in the fall, then you aren't so worried about, hey, we're going to be blooming here in, in just a week or two, and we're being so worried about that bloom. But yeah, I mean, there are quite a few products that are labeled, but you have to look at the non-bearing and so in other words early in the life cycle and to darren's point yeah prowl is that way so is casseron i mean they're chateau 
So there there aren't a lot that you can use once you're, you're starting Bloom, but there are some like Princip, Sinbar, even Spartan. All right. Thanks for the question, Brian. Good luck to you on your apples. Thanks to you for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.